Welcome to Talks with the Feminine, a series of podcasts where we discuss, examine and question in depth many aspects of the feminine journey and experience through stories and differing points of view. Thanks for joining us today as we pick apart another topic. Hi and welcome to Talks with the Feminine. Uh, I'm Annie Taylor. And I'm Abby Rental. And we're nowhere near each other. <laughs> just, <laughs> just so everyone's clear on that. Yeah. <laughs> yep. And, you know, welcome to our, what was it you're calling it? Our isolation podcast. Our isolation podcast. Yes. Where we're just going to see. We're doing it on Skype, is. so if it sounds weird, that's why. <laughs> yes, we're going to hope that it all sort of flows. <laughs> it's going to go, but um, yes, I don't know. My my magical husband made it all work so that we could Ooh. actually both, like, I can actually see. I can see your voice being recorded, Ab. It's very oh, exciting. Yeah. <laughs> Compared to, I would have been like, I have no idea what I'm doing. <laughs> I hope it's working. Let's just keep talking. Yeah, that's right. <clears throat> and Abby's folding laundry, by the way. Everyone yeah, I'm folding my laundry. That's the best thing about this is that I'm super productive. Yeah. I can now podcast and fold laundry at the same time. I know. We used to just sit here and drink water mm-hmm. and weird stuff like that. Not actually. I know. Getting... I used to just be able to sit and relax, but now look how good life is. I can sit here and <laughs> fold laundry as well because if I don't, I'm going to sit here thinking, I should probably be folding the laundry. Because you're at home. That's I the know. rules. And oh. I don't have an excuse not to be folding the laundry because I'm not at your house. So <laughs> yeah. it's like Thank the laundry's you, coronavirus. there. Thank you, coronavirus. How you have improved my life. <laughs> Totally. Uh, yes, well, I'm just uh, moving stuff now because I have to sit on a ball. Must sit on a ball. If I sit on a chair too long, I'm like, ugh, I just feel like wrong pelvic positioning yeah. something. Mm-hmm. Anyway, mm, the magic of it all. <laughs> <laughs> the magic of late pregnancy. Ah, yes, really. Yeah. Everybody keeps saying to me, oh, you must be nearly due. When's it? When's it happening? And I'm like, it's like another nine weeks. Yeah, not. It's not nearly at all. Not at all. No. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, oh, that's sad. And it is a bit sad because I, I, um, you know, like they, they they change the the rules every other day on what you're allowed to and not allowed to do. And I'm oh. like, okay, ah. Uh, I hope that the current rules stand for long enough that when I have this baby, I'll still be able to do it in a way that's not totally anxiety provoking. So what do you mean? Like what would be anxiety provoking? What's the Uh, the deal breaker for you? Well, I don't know. I mean, at the moment we've completely, um, we've changed tack, um, in that we were going to just have baby at, um, at a hospital and all the rest of it. And mm-hmm. now that all this has hit the <laughs> hit the wall, I guess, um, mm-hmm. we've got, um, you know, and the most hospitals have restricted how many people you can have and um, yep. nobody really wants to be at a hospital anyway. Um, and certainly... Yeah, that place is gross. <laughs> yeah, well, my husband was like, uh, I don't think we should go there. We had an appointment um, probably, I think it was like, 
like a week before everything went really crazy. But James was so on top of it all and he was just really – he was like, I don't think we should even go to this appointment. It was like oh, our, really? Yeah, I think it was our 28-week appointment. So – and I was 29 weeks and now I'm, what, 30 – nearly 32. So it was like three weeks ago, just before it all started really, you yeah. know. And, um, yeah, he was like – no. <laughs> why are we why are we going to this hospital? Why don't we just cancel the appointment? Um I really don't think we should even be there. And then the next time yeah. they sent me a message to, you know, confirm the next appointment, they were like, you know, but please don't bring your partner this time. And things <laughs> like, well, I won't be coming, Mark. Yeah, I'm not actually turning up at all. <laughs> Thanks though. Um and it was it was pretty full on because when we spoke to that midwife she was like yeah no it'll be fine don't worry about it you can just we'll we'll work it out and then now it's like no we have all these restrictions and um so yeah so at the moment I'm allowed to have you know my midwives and my doula turn up but who who knows whether that's going to still be allowed in like another eight weeks. I don't know. <laughs> I hope so. They're allowed Without to turn it. up at the hospital or they're allowed to turn up at your At house? my house. Yeah. Cause you know, uh, mm. to have a baby, you kind of have to have midwives. So that's all good. And then you're allowed to have, I think it's like one or two people at your house. Otherwise in like, so I think it's okay. But I'm like, I don't know. They could just say, no, nobody's leaving their house in a minute. So yeah, that's true. That's the anxiety there. Um, but I think that's very understandable. Yeah. So I'm kind of like, quick, let's just, you know, have this baby while the, the current scary <laughs> restrictions apply and not like next level, next level, next level. So mm, don't know. But that's where we're at. But yes, uh, it's funny because you were saying before, like, that um, you're getting really ragey at people who do all the wrong stuff. Yeah, I'm feeling really cross because, like I was saying before, initially when they were talking about, you know, just they'd sort of throw it out there every now and then that this could take, you know, six to 12 months. And I'm like, Mm. yeah, that sounds fair, you know, like that seems like what it would take. But when they actually sort of announced the six-month so isolation, you know, social distancing thing. I was yeah. like, oh, that's too long. I don't want to do that. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Especially because it's just, it sounds, yeah, on paper, you're like, yeah, fair enough, six months. But mm. then after and, two weeks, we're all indoors going, oh, my God. Yeah. <laughs> and because my kids were sick for the couple of weeks before this actually sort of happened. So I feel like I've been in isolation like a month. Because I haven't been able to really see people or have my mum come over. So now I'm feeling like really rageful at people that aren't doing the right thing. Because I'm like, you're making this take longer and I need to see my mum. Yes, I'm so with you on that. I'd, yeah, like... There's someone across the street from my house at the moment. And I, we're a bit like, he, he handed out like little pieces of paper like a week ago to say he was going to have... Um, a small party for something. Um, and did you, know, you tell him get fucked? You were going to double him up? <laughs> Pretty much. Well, <laughs> do you know what? I didn't even... So what happened was he, we got this little piece of paper, which, you know, in ordinary circumstances, we'd be like, that's much appreciated. Thanks for letting oh. us know that you're doing this. 
But like, but now you're like, I don't want your gem infested piece of paper. Well, first of all, <laughs> and secondly, yeah, but secondly, like he had written on it, you know, we will be making sure that we don't have more than a hundred people and we are distributing hand sanitizer and all this sort of stuff. So I'm like, you're clearly aware that what you're doing is a little bit sus. And then now that the additional restrictions have been put in place since we got that like little piece of paper he's just Mm -hmm. we're like oh he still seems to be having people over though like there's still cars in his front yard and stuff and we're like and that's what's making me feel rageful because I'm like uh mate I'm worried about having a doula at my birth and you're having a whole heap of people to your house for an unnecessary party i have to have my baby like, come on, man. it's and- my mother-in-law's birthday today and we sent her happy birthday over facetime with a candle that the kids could blow out okay it's and so she she got herself a birthday cake and you know blew out her own candles and that sort of thing but it's one person and we're like you know what we better not risk it yeah exactly we need to be careful we need to make sure that we're healthy and she's healthy and you know we're really not supposed to have people over for social reasons and a birthday is a social reason yeah and you're like so the fact that people aren't sticking to that just makes me cross yes it's a bit it's totally shit i mean it was my birthday last weekend Mm, we didn't um, even get to see you nope i didn't see anyone really i saw i saw my kids and my husband um but, you know, and he spent most of the day running around because he's been, like, overworked and trying to get everything organised. Like, he, mm. he, he's um, – there's no one at his office, but, like, he, he's had to go there to set things up or pull things yeah. apart. Um, and so, you know, he was in and out on my birthday. But, like, I would normally see family and there'd be lots of, um, you know, sort of – like, I was like, I don't really need, like, a massive big event, but I do feel sad that, like, I don't get to see my mum or, um, you know, that, uh, not let, like, having the kids not see my parents is, like, a, and my sister is really... It's really hard, isn't it? Yeah, it's My crap. kids ask me every single day if we can go to Nana and Pa's house, and mm. I have to explain the same thing every day. No, we can't go and see Nana and Pa, sorry, not for a while. But it's just heartbreaking. They're getting really upset about it. Yeah. Yeah, well, my kids are started, don't understand. you know, playing grandma and papa's house with the dolls in my, in the dollhouse. And I was like, oh, that's a I little just, bit heartbreaking. Um, yeah. And they're like, they haven't actually said, you know, well, can we go see them yet? Because we so regularly do that. I think they're still like in the phase of thinking that I've got a plan for when we'll mm. next see them. Like I mm. usually do. Um, but I really don't, and I don't know. Um, and the thing is, as well, is, like, they all are still, well, not my dad, but my mom and my sister are still, like, going to work because oh, they okay. work in a hospital and an early childhood service. So all those things are still <laughs> happening. So, mm. um, you know, it's a bit like... There's no uh, way for you to see them anytime in the future either, really. Well, not unless something changes with childcare or, uh, you know, particular avenues in the hospital, you know, mm. um, because they're just, 
yeah, I don't think, um, I mean, I mean, it's all a little bit, um, up in the air, really. I mean, I don't know how, I, I don't know. It's sort of hard to get your head around. It's like, well, mm. eventually this thing's supposed to spread between everybody. So, um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's like, usually you have a plan, you know what I mean? You're like, okay, well, yeah. At least I could have, you know, if it's three or six months or eight months or something and you go, that's when we're going to see them again. But but you just don't know. It could be six months, could be 12 months. And I have got to have a baby in eight weeks. So So that's fun. Yeah, that's a bit shit. (laughs) I'm like, I honestly don't know what I'm going to do. I wonder it if really I could. It is a crummy situation for you, I think. Yeah, like maybe I'll wrap them in PPE and <laughs> be like, "Hey, <laughs> and just come in one at a time to meet the child before all this." Mm. And that's the thing too is I probably normally would have one of them come to look after my child while I was yeah. having a baby, but children actually. Last time it was child. <laughs> now it's two. I'm like, oh, I don't. So what are you gonna do with them? Um. What's the plan there? Uh, the the ideal plan is that they will be asleep when I have a baby, so or mostly, so I don't have to do too much, um, or <laughs> or whatever it is. But um, I've got a friend who's going to come over and play with them in the backyard. Otherwise, that was my backup plan. Someone who they know cool. and like, mm. but um, who also doesn't have kids and isn't leaving the house. Because she doesn't, um, she doesn't have to go anywhere. She doesn't have Great, to work. That's a good idea. So, well, she does work, but she works from home. So oh. I was like, "Cool, all right, you're going to be relatively safe, but virtually quarantined for a couple of weeks." Mm. Um, and then, yeah, that's kind of my semi-plan because, um, you know, James isn't really going to necessarily be able to look after them and me at the same time. And no. And midwives are not going to do that job, so... No, they're focused on babies. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, but, you know, but I can't... It's not like I can send them anywhere else either. Like, not that no. I want to. I'd r- much rather have them be here. And mm. if one of them wakes up while I'm having a baby, cool. I'm totally fine with it. But I don't... Um, you don't want to have to deal with that if you don't have to. Yeah. Well, and it's a lot of explaining. It might be a little bit stressful for them just to see mummy uh, in pain or, you know. Yeah, I mean, we've watched a lot of videos <laughs> lately of birth and um, oh, obviously good. it's not the same, but um, uh, it's very funny because my toddler's very like, um, she just keeps sort of, talking about it <laughs> oh, really? and um and the big girls all um uh well um she's she's got her head all she's like yeah it's fine I'm totally I get it I'm good with it mm-hmm. whatever and I ran her a bath no I ran me a bath and had a bath on my birthday and you know lo and behold an hour in mm-hmm. she's also in with me I'm like hello mm-hmm. um and while we were in there because we'd watched a whole lot of sort of um uh very calm water birth type videos she was mm-hmm. like okay so can we watch them while we're in this bath because it seems like that's where people have babies 
And, um, you know, because she she was – and she keeps telling me, you know, but, you know, because Nadia was a water birth and I was a a land birth mummy, so that's, you know, I just want to talk about how that all pieces together. So she's pretty um, fascinated, I suppose. Um, That's understandable, isn't it? Yeah, so that's why I'm like, well, if you're going to be there, that's okay with me. I just don't – Having said that, because everything takes so long at the moment, I have ordered like picture books on home birth for her and they just haven't turned up yet. And I'm like, no, the post is just rubbish at the moment. I'm like, I mean, I feel a bit whingy because it's like, well, whatever. But at the same time, I'm like, I really need those books, guys, <laughs> to make this work out. Um, I mean, I suppose, yeah, it's not. Um, it's not as bad as it could be. I guess at least they've jumped on top of some of this stuff early. I don't know. Mm. Mm. But I don't know. You you have to work with potentially sick people. So how's that going? Um, yeah, it's actually, it's not too bad in the sense that anybody who's high risk, like they've travelled overseas or they've been in contact with someone and they've got flu symptoms, mm. they're not allowed in the GP clinic. They're to go to the fever clinic for testing. Mm. Um, but in saying that a lot of the community transmission is from people who don't realize that they've been infected and Mm. they're not showing symptoms yet um yeah my work's trying to mainly do like telehealth which is good but the nurses are still busy with flu injections and dressings and that sort of thing Mm, I did find it quite stressful having to do more um PPE than normal so having to wear a mask all the time and Mm. um you know, bleach everything. Is it just because it's like a physical thing that you're doing so you're more aware of it or? It's just not that it makes it, wearing a mask all day makes you feel really sick. Like it's really hot. And I think because you're not breathing fresh air like all the time, you're like Mm. re-breathing your air a lot. You end up feeling really tired and dizzy and that sort of thing just because you're not sort of getting enough fresh air. (laughs) I, I mean, so, I mean, I don't know how the people in the hospitals are coping because they've got no. like the proper like N95 ones. We're just using uh, surgical masks at the moment because you can't get the N95 ones. Yeah. I don't the annoying thing is that, that patients will have a mask on. Yeah. They wear a mask in the waiting room and then they come down and they come into like the office with me when I'm doing care plans or they come into the nurse's station to get their dressing done and they take their mask off once they get with you. <laughs> like you, you're safe. What? They're safe with you. And I'm uh-huh. like, it's nice no, that mate, you think that's that. not what it's, but <laughs> that's that's not what it's going for. on here. Yeah. You need to wear a mask. I'm wearing a mask. You wear a mask. And then nobody gets sick. That's yeah. the plan. Uh, well, so... I don't know. I, I went to a GP this week. Um, not for anything really much. And I went and I wore gloves. And when I got mm. there, because I didn't have anything else. And, um... But I had the gloves, so I wore them, and then the GP's like, okay, but, like, you should probably now start wearing a mask as well, especially being pregnant and rah, rah, rah. And I was a bit like, oh, well, I don't know if I can, but, um, you know, like, obviously she had her mask on the whole time I was there and Mm. stuff. And I thought, well, uh, you know, (laughs) uh, yeah, like, if I had one, I wouldn't be kind of – um, I wouldn't be taking it off just because the doctor's wearing one. Like, what's mm. – why would 
I don't know. So I'm like, now your gems are all in this room because you've been like talking and coughing. Oh gosh, this bloke came up to me while I was there and he was clearly some chronic smoker because I could smell him from across the room. Sorry, I'm very judgy of smokers. (laughs) Anyway, um, especially right now, I'm like, seriously. Um, But he just, um, he, he came up to try and talk to me and, and I was like, oh, be like, no, go away. No, I like physically like sort of pulled away from this because he, he just wanted to talk to me about my T-shirt. And I was like, what mm. world do you think we're living in? <laughs> I mean, I know it's sort this of sad. This we talk to people about T-shirts way. now. No, no, just walk past me and bugger off, mate. I don't need Say to. Say I like your shirt as you walk past, but yeah. you don't need to stop and chat. Yeah, he went to leave. He went to walk straight past me and then he came back to talk to me. And I, like, was trying to stand as far away from other humans in this place as possible. And he sort of Mm. came over toward me and he sort of was looking like he was going to invade the 1.5 metre. And I was like, what are you doing, mate? (laughs) Come on. Like, it's bad enough, I think, um, sort of – that's the sort of thing that makes me a bit annoyed as well because I'm like, well – like, I'm clearly 100 years pregnant. Mm-hmm. Can you not come over and potentially give me the thing that you don't even know you have? Like, yeah. <laughs> why are you doing this? Um, even even if he doesn't have coronavirus, he's obviously the doctor's for something. He yeah. could be feeling sick, so he shouldn't really be talking to somebody. It makes people uncomfortable. It's just... Uh, like, anyway, even without coronavirus, I don't like people talking to me at the doctor. Like, no. polite conversation from across the room is fine, but don't come near me because you might have gems or I've got gems. Yeah. Well, and I suppose you're pretty conscious of that because you work in one of those places. Mm. You'd be like, please don't come up and have a whole discussion about your life or your t-shirt. It was so, it was so obscure. I was just like, like, come on. Mm. Isn't it supposed to be like eight or nine out of 10 of us are supposed to do these like really, you know, socially isolating things mm. right now i think the issue is is that because people are having to self-isolate a lot of people are very very lonely yeah they don't have that normal social contact that they would have like perhaps that man would go and smoke or drink at a bar yeah you know for hours and chat to people and that sort of thing and he wouldn't have that now yeah i'm sure he's so, a very warm friendly nice person i think that's mm. the vibe that i got but at the same time i was like get away <laughs> which mm. is horrible um I think it's fair in your in being pregnant. I think it's understandable for you to have that reaction. Yeah, I just I don't know. It's a weird time. That's mm. um, it definitely is. Yeah, it's just. Might even write that down. I'm gonna write that down because I feel like that's sort of almost the title of this particular episode. Um, <laughs> I just. Um, in terms of smoking, let's just talk about smoking for a oh, minute. Oh yeah, open that. I'm not a smoker. I haven't been a smoker and I don't quite understand why people smoke. It's fine if you want to, that's your business. But I have found being a nurse that a lot of people over the last few weeks are still smoking. And when I explained to them that, look, smoking isn't good for your health anyway, but at a time like this, when there's a respiratory virus, deadly respiratory virus going around, you need to quit smoking so that your lungs can repair themselves in case you get this because... If you get sick, yeah. you will most likely die. Your lungs are already damaged. Yeah. And I have found that 
every single one of those patients that I've explained that to has not been aware of that. Oh. They have been oblivious to the fact that they are at a higher risk of dying. Because, yeah, because obviously because they're of compromised. Yeah. Yeah, they don't huh. seem to understand that. I guess they don't think of it, I mean, um... I, I will. I, I don't smoke, and I'm very. You know, that's why I'm very judgy of smokers. Is because I've had a lot of people in like uh, in my family, and particularly, um, you know, uh, grandparents who were smokers, who mm. you know died horrible, horrible deaths. So I'm. Yeah, that's why I you. can't. Yeah, and of course, you know, I always said when I was young that I'd never date a smoker, and then I married one. So that didn't help either. <laughs> so I was like, even though I can like uh, still socially be around people who smoke because maybe they're lovely people, but at the same time, I just, the actual smoking thing, I just, and I'm such a judgy bitch about people who do. I'll just, you know, I'm that person who, if you walk past me and you're smoking a lot in the street and it hits me, I'll be like, just not subtle at all. I'm sorry, I don't care. <laughs> I just... Just go do that. It, I had a teacher in high school who said that he was so affronted by smoking that he really and, – and particularly having to be around smokers because he didn't like secondhand smoke and it was, like, stinky and disgusting and all that. And, he, and he'd be like, oh, you know, I just – I just think they should all have like a box that they go into and they should just do whatever they want to do with there and then come out and be with the rest of the normal people. He was an interesting human. That's a um, bit random. It was, but I always remember that image because whenever somebody, because I don't, I don't like it either when I get hit by smoke in the street, I'll be like, all I can think of is this box that this bloke thinks they're all going to go into for the... But I am very rude to people in that situation. Um, but, um, yeah, I think from having all these people around me who've been smokers over, like, my lifetime, they it becomes such a part of their life and part of, like, a habitual thing that they don't, like, constantly recognise that it's impacting on their mm. health or that it, it means X, Y, Z for, like, mm. like for example the whole coronavirus issue they're probably just like well it's just what I do every day so not just smoking even the Mm. diabetic patients yeah you know like if you've got diabetes you should be checking your blood sugar and you know sticking to the diet and taking your medication Mm. and we get patients come in that obviously are not doing that because you know it's hard with a chronic disease to to focus on that yeah yeah to focus on that and maintain your motivation for keeping well but when you explain to them that it's really important at the moment that you you know, maintain your health, keep your blood sugar stable, you know, all that sort of thing. Check your blood sugars, make sure your diet's right. Yeah. They're all like, oh, do you think that that would matter? Like, yeah, <laughs> yes, 100%. Yeah. A million percent, that would matter. Yeah, it's kind of interesting. Um, mm. Oh, sorry, I'm just having a microphone-related issue. There we go. Um, yeah, I mean... I think, you know, there's a certain amount of people feeling an, a sense of, um, well, or just not having a sense of their own mortality, which yes, I suppose nobody does, what, yeah. really. But, um, yeah, it's very like, well, you, you know, um, you know, like, um, 
you well I think you were saying a while ago like a few weeks ago you were sort of going for a drive or something and there were all these sort of people um what in their 70s or something just hanging around in the street all together and yeah just as sort of the that sound to say you know you need to self-isolate old people need to stay at home that sort of thing yeah um we had to go and pick something up and it was a little seaside town that's known as a bit of a retirement sort of mecca, I guess. Mm. <laughs> and um, honestly, there it was just packed. There were people everywhere. Like you wouldn't have been able to get a car park if you wanted to stop on the street for a shop. Yeah. And um, it was just full of old people, old people everywhere. Yeah. And my husband works at Bunnings and he said, it's just old people all day, every day. Like, yeah. like really old people, people that should be inside. Have they eased off since then? Like, at least at Bunnings and. Um, well, Andy was saying that he thought that this morning it probably was like this morning it was pretty mm. quiet. And he's like, oh, yeah, people are, people are doing it. They're staying home. But then he said all of a sudden after lunch it was just packed because the weather got nicer. Ah. Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> well, people just aren't getting it. No. That's, I think, probably the – but it seems odd because then there's such a, um, uh, I guess, a presence of people being um, very much onto it as well. Like it's sort mm. of um, – I suppose when it's like this situation, like whenever there's like even a small group of people that you're like, but why aren't you doing what they're telling you to do? <laughs> it looks yeah. huge because you're like, oh. So I don't know. Oh, yeah, because be... we're asking the whole population to do it. So yeah. it's, you know, there's a lot of people doing the right thing, but then there's a lot of people doing the wrong thing. It'll be know? interesting. Here comes the, you know, I've been spending too much time with my psychology homework person within me um, to get like <laughs> the data on it after all of this stuff is over. Um, yeah. Which again, feels like a strange concept. Like, oh, when it's over, I don't, <laughs> I don't really know what that even means you know they're like well you know when we get a vaccine or when it starts to peter off i guess uh, uh, i'm just like yeah <laughs> i was like what does that mean i do, i know there's the the curve i assume at what point does it become flat enough that we're able to live almost normally again i don't really know that even... I don't know that we will until they've got a vaccine or no. some sort of really good treatment for it. Mm. I guess that's the good thing too about because really with the flattening the curve model, you mm. at least sixty percent of the population have to get it to get herd immunity, which is the yeah. ultimate goal, so it won't spread as easily. And um, in doing that. A lot of us have to get sick. A lot of people our age, healthy people, have to get sick. Mm. Um, and I guess the benefit of not getting sick at the moment and waiting until later and flattening that curve is that hopefully later they'll have a bed for us yeah. and staff members and hopefully medication. Well, just like how everybody right. didn't freak out right at the start because everybody who came over from overseas and had it or whatever it was or or got it from someone who was they went to the alfred and they got better and then they left Mm. because they were you know 45 or 25 or whatever it was or even if they were elderly they were like okay good and then they just um 
they just recovered because there was plenty of time and space to treat them and yeah you're like well it's not necessarily that anymore it's a very I don't know it's a strange um it's a strange thing to be living through this bit of history it is isn't it I like I mean, we've got all those movies and stuff, which I'm, I don't really watch those sorts of movies because I find them that upsetting. Yes, me too. <laughs> um, but now it's sort of, it feels so weird. You're like, I can't believe that I am living this. Yeah. Like, I just really did not see this coming. Well, no. And why would we? And I know people would sort of talk about it going, oh, you know, we're a bit overdue for a plague or something, you know. You go, oh, yeah, mm. but, you know, like... We've got vaccines and, you know, we've got medical treatment, so surely that wouldn't happen again, but it does. I mean, I suppose it's better than, you know, Spanish flu and things like that where people just didn't, there was no anything. You just, Mm. if you got it, it was pretty bad news most of the time and all that, and it was like all over the world and blah, blah, blah. But, Mm. um, yeah, and it's not like there was social media for everyone to jump on and exactly so, and you know. there were you know there was not very good advances in medical technology and you. so and nobody was going to tell everybody to just okay we'll just everybody stay at home, stay at home in a hand. very organized fashion <laughs> like yeah. yeah wash your hands and you know these people in like specifically are the most susceptible and blah blah, blah you know that's yeah, so it's a very different experience of a pandemic, I suppose, compared to. I mean, it isn't like it wasn't the last one like a hundred years ago. So it's just, although think, yeah, the... it's pretty impressive that medical technology's come that far in a hundred years. Mm. And probably, you know. Um, having said that, you know all the um, super cool hippies at the end of um, twenty nineteen. They were very. Um, there's, there was a big attitude that 2020 being the start of a new decade and everything else is just going to make, it's going to be very uh, different. Um, everything's coming to a head. Like that was sort of, there was a whole lot of these sort of predictions going around and talking about feminine rising and, um, and I was like, cool. And now it's like, it, it's almost, I think, you know, everyone kind of, on the face of those things expects everything to change in this really, you know, sort of beautiful dynamic way. But it's sort of everything's had to, like everything's stopped. And it's almost like, yeah, everything is radically changing, but it's not because it was all, you know, blossoming. Mm. It's like, okay, well, we all have to literally stop the world to start it again. Um, And I just, I don't know. I'm like... It's a bit overwhelming that that's been the the reality. Like that later on when we look back at this, we'll be like, wow, 2020 was a pretty big turning point, I think. Yes. Mm. I guess that's a bit of thing. That's a bit anxiety-provoking for people too, though, isn't mm. it? You're just not sure. Are things going to go back to the way they were? I don't know that they will. Or is mm. everything going to be totally different from now on? And I wonder about, you know, things like climate change, you know, that everybody doesn't really listen to scientists and stuff in terms of governmental um i mean i know it's a totally different issue but like after mm. all of this is is done is the attitude going to be ooh instead of waiting for <laughs> crises to happen 
Yeah, because really, like every every prime minister or, well, with a couple of exceptions, um, you know, all all these you know heads of state in the world, uh, they come out with like a medical officer and, you know, statisticians and all these people come out with them to tell them what they need to be doing and they go oh well if it's that important we will definitely Mm. do that let's completely flip our entire policy on everything because Mm. this is way more important than that and I'm like huh I wonder if everything's just going to look different in a um political landscape as well after all this is Mm. I don't know I'm like Mind you, every child care worker I've spoken to has been very cross that there's um, across the board free childcare coming into effect. Oh, they're cross about it, are they? Yeah, because they think it should only be, well, the bulk of people I've spoken to, um, they feel that it should only be for essential workers and not be for everyone. I thought it was for only essential workers. Did they change that? Well, I mean, according to ScoMo, um, anyone who is still working qualifies as an essential worker. So, what about other people working from home? Yeah, so they still, if they're working, they can still technically access childcare. Oh, that's like everybody. Yeah, it's like everybody. <laughs> um, which, yeah. Uh, what? How does that impact the childcare workers? So, well, they don't really want. <laughs> They're like, it's, um, I think they, well, their argument is that, you know, social distancing in an early childhood setting is virtually impossible, which is also what teachers were saying as well. Um, you know, like, and it was why, um, a great deal of people started keeping their kids at home because Mm. especially very young children don't. Like, they don't understand. There's no, like, personal space. No, and they... And the amount of times my toddler coughed in my face today was just a <laughs> lost cow. Oh, you're having a hard time with <laughs> <laughs> colds and things. Oh, I, yeah, I, I just, um, like, my dad came and got his stuff um, about a week, yeah, a week ago because he had been you know, living here a couple of days a week, well, but he was going, he was going to be retiring anyway. Um, mm. But he, he came over and it was, I mean, it was just miserable by the way, but he came and packed up his like clothes that he had left here and rah, rah. and um, my toddler, she just wants to, you know, hang out with him all the time. But she, like, tried to hug him at one point and he kind of was like, no, <laughs> sort of thing. And I had to sort of scoop her up and quickly move her so that it wouldn't be too heart-wrenching for everybody involved that, you know, you, you're not, we're not, like, we're not doing hugging as a group. Yeah. Um, they just don't understand. No. I'm grateful for the the amount of time that I spent with my family before this happened in the start of this year because of the fact that the rest of it's looking so uncertain now. Um, Yeah. You know all the stuff about like there's like a certain amount of, I guess, lack of clarity on some of the things that you're supposed to do. Like we all know we're supposed to be staying home and washing our hands and stuff, but like – yeah. If you get sick, what are you supposed to do? That's I was going to ask you that because I feel like 
Um, it is it is quite a difficult thing yeah. to know because I was even struggling with that last week. I was like, what do you do if you feel unwell? Because the doctors don't really want to see you if you're really sick. Yeah. But um, I had two sick babies last week. Mm. Um, and so I just called the doctors and told them um, my child's symptoms and that I needed them to see a doctor. Mm. And the doctor was still more than happy to see them. Um, that had fevers and they had a cough, but it was productive. Mm. And, you know, uh, we didn't have any contacts with anybody who had um, known mm-hmm. coronavirus. So, you know, it's it was very all very unlikely. And so I took my children to the doctors and was no trouble. And I think, this, you know, we are still having patients in that have cold and flu symptoms. They wear a mask, obviously, to make sure they don't spread it to anybody. Mm. But the government is still saying that you cannot be tested unless you are known to have been in contact with someone or unless you got really sick that your symptoms were undeniably, you know, obvious. Yeah. yeah. I think they're trying to develop some other testing kit at the moment. I heard mm. that they were trying to run something that looks more like a diabetes test, you know, like a pre- fingerprint Yes, they're going to – I think they've – got it they'd ordered some they were going to give it to frontline health workers to Mm. check them yeah because I just I I mean it's a um, bit faster yeah well I saw on the news tonight that they've got about um they've got some large number of people coming out of the Alfred now that that have COVID but they can't trace how so community transmission transmission. which is concerning yeah so they're probably going to want to start testing more I guess if they Mm. I mean it was different it was different how ridiculous it was different like three weeks ago when it was like oh have you been to mainland China no okay you're probably fine now it's like Mm. no that's that's not a thing um yeah so I think that people will like it'll change with going to the doctors when you're sick and that sort of thing mm. but hopefully there'll be different testing faster testing that you can just pop down to the fever clinic and find out then and there if you've got it or if you've had it yeah so um yeah. that will obviously make things a bit easier i think that we're just in this sort of in between stage but i mean if you are unwell um and you've got a high fever that doesn't come down with you know paracetamol Mm. or, you know, you're concerned at all, then you should definitely go to the doctor. Yeah. Um, you if just have to just ring them first. If you've a slight snuffly yeah. nose and, you know, you don't feel too bad, then you should be right to stay at home. Yeah. Don't go to the doctor unless you really need medication or mm. you need them to check that you are okay. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Well, and they just, you know... Um, I think as long as you ring them, they, they're not going to be like, no, we don't, we're not seeing you. At the... Exactly. And they're really good too, I think, at advising you where you should go to be seen if you still need to be seen. So because uh, my baby, she's only nine months, but she had had fevers and she developed a really, like she had a snotty nose and she had a very productive cough. Mm. where she had quite a bad wheeze and like a rattle in her chest. So I had, um, I've got a stethoscope obviously because I'm a nurse and I'd listen to her chest and <laughs> yeah. I don't have a lot of experience with babies. So yeah. I'd listen to her chest and I was like, mm, this sounds bad, but I'm not sure if this is just because she's a baby and she's wiggly and I can't hear properly. Yeah. Um, 
I had messaged one of the other nurses because I couldn't get through on the phone. I messaged the nurse and said, oh, look, can you ask one of the doctors about about the baby because I'm a bit worried. And she's mm. like, oh, it sounds like she might have pneumonia. Maybe just take her straight to the hospital, take her to Monash Children's. And you're like... And she asked Ugh. the other nurses and they were like, yeah, 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 take her to Monash Children's. And I was like, oh, that's a big drive and a big trip and that could and be a hospital. Germany. Yeah. yeah. I was like, I don't want to have to take her to the hospital if I don't have to. So I called Nurse on Call. They mm. are very good service. Um, and normally we find that they say, oh, you should just take your child to the hospital. Like they're overreacting. That's but the I think old. had extra training yeah. now. Yeah. And the girl I spoke to was really good. And she actually just advised, like she, we talked for a bit and she advised me, no, I think you really do just need to take her to the GP. That's a GP thing. Yeah. Took her to the GP. We got some medication. She's fine now. She's fine. Yeah. That's so good. it did not require to go to the hospital. Well. So there's lots of options out yeah. there for people to find out. And I really feel like going to the hospital is like kind of super last case mm. resort. Is that the right way to put it? Like at the moment, it's like, um, you know, I, I can't actually, it's actually pretty overwhelming um, being on some, some Facebook home birth groups um, and also. Oh, that'd be full on oof, at the moment. Yeah, it is. And also Jane Hardwick Collins, um, she uh, she made this new group called Birthing Crisis, I think, um, oh, on Facebook. Great. It's got yeah. a lot of people. And um, so I've been kind of following them a bit. And even just because I'm in a lot of doula groups. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. And, um, uh, you know, it's and, – and Childbirth Ed. I'm in a few groups there too on Facebook because that's all my – scope and it's it's quite overwhelming how many people are in the situation where if they're a woman who's pregnant Mm. um they're stressing out because they're being told well you kind of still have to birth in a hospital yeah but we don't want you to go to the hospital as much as possible if that makes sense so they'll be like that i've heard of people having appointments in car parks with midwives and Um, you know, of having their antenatal appointments cut down to maybe one or two so that they don't have to be there as much. Um, Wow. And there's a few that are cutting postnatals as well. And I've had a few midwives suggest that, you know, they're really trying to get as many people home within four to six hours after their baby's born. Um, Which is crazy, yeah. isn't it? Well, I mean, especially for a first baby, like usually for a they're first like, baby, for a subsequent you baby, you're like, yeah. when can I get the hell out of here? That's right. If you're on your like fourth or fifth kid, you're like, I don't even yeah. care. Uh, I want to go home now. <laughs> the kids out. Let's Stitch go home. Up, let's go. <laughs> Which is what I probably would have been like um, had I decided to birth in the hospital this time. Um, that was my plan: was to be like, "Hi, here I am. I'm going to be forceful with my wishes. I've had a baby. Mm. Now I'm going home. See you later." But um, that they were very much like, "Look, in an ideal world, as many people as possible." Um, if we can send them home as quickly as possible, that's what, that's what we want. Um, Mm. and it's, uh, so it's a very big sort of mixed message because there's obviously no financial support really, except for with antenatal and postnatal care, but for actually Mm. birthing at home, there's no, um, Medicare rebate on that. Um, and, but it's almost like it would, it would be so much more ideal, um, if more 
low-risk women were able to go that way because Mm. they're being told, well, we really don't want you at the hospital, but you do still need to have your baby here, but with only one support person and we want you to go home as quickly as you possibly can. Um, Yeah. And all of that is just, especially for first-timers, but also for people who have had like traumatic previous experiences. Yes, that's what I was thinking. I was like, you wouldn't want that for your first birth because you're nervous, you don't know what's going to happen. But I certainly wouldn't have wanted that for my third birth either because I'd had a traumatic experience and I had a plan that I needed to go through with. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm, Totally, yeah. And I needed things to go the way I wanted them to go, not in terms of like how the birth went, but just the people I wanted there and the yeah. things that I wanted to be done. Yeah, I needed exactly. a lot of that to happen to feel okay. Yeah, and to get to a sort of healing place from the last one. And like yeah. there's a lot of people in that boat. There's an awful yeah. lot of people talking about their V-backs on these groups as well. And a lot of, um, oh, yeah. and a lot of doulas who... Um, um, kind of sway from totally unbelievably enraged and angry at one end of the scale mm-hmm. and then at the other end of the scale um you know who are just so upset and sad and um you know heartbroken for the the women that they are or were supposed to work with um mm. Because and a whole range of frustrations in between because, um, you know, it started being the case that they would rock up at a birth about a week ago. started seeing people would, would go to a birth at a hospital and they'd been with this woman for 12 hours or something at her home um, helping to support her labour and they get to the hospital and the hospitals changed their policy in the last few days and decided that as there's only one support person allowed and they've decided to class at some hospitals they've decided to class doulas as not as caregivers but as additional support people so they send them home um and if you've already (laughs) booked paid for and made a big plan with this doula and yeah that's super disappointing and they're your primary support person for you and sometimes also for your partner yeah the partner can rely on them a lot too oh gosh it's just um it's a bit of a mess, <laughs> really. Mm. And, um, you know, it's um, – I know that a lot, a lot of – I mean, it's it's quite inspiring in a way because people who work in birth have, have started being very innovative in that mm. they'll be like, okay, well, how can we do this virtually? How can we do, like, online doula support? And um, That's a great idea. Yeah, well, I'm doing, like um, – pay-as-you-wish stuff at the moment like you know just whatever you can afford that's what I will take and I will virtually support you or do your education program before you get there because it's just and because the other thing is they cancelled every antenatal class because obviously yeah you can't be all the hospital antenatal classes just got scrapped um, so a lot of people How are going... people supposed to learn today? Yeah, I know. I had a woman saying that to me today. She's like, uh, <laughs> I was kind of planning that they would teach me stuff and now what am I going to do? Um, mm. And, um, yeah, so a lot of people are going through private programs. Yeah. But some of them are, as we said before, quite expensive. That. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that's why I'm doing mine really cheap. Um, <laughs> the other thing is that, um, you, you know, the um, 
uh, I think both Calm Birth and uh, Hypnobirthing Australia and a range of other programs have moved like completely online. So, oh, good. Um, because they can't, they can't teach either in that mm. space. Like they can't have, especially for those practitioners who are really popular, maybe they usually have eight or nine couples. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Like they're like, yeah. we can barely have one at the moment in a space. So, mm. um, yeah, it's, yeah, I don't know. I think it's a health system that's a bit struggle town and a bit like, oh, we, uh, this is totally there wasn't new really ground. A plan for this. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I think the good thing about maybe a new test coming out where they can prick your finger and find out in 15 minutes if you mm. do have it, um, I think it would be really worth for the birth community like the doulas and midwives to advocate for that to be used in a maternity setting when letting Mm. people onto the ward yeah so testing people as they come on and those people are allowed to stay as support people Mm. to help sort of fix that because it's a huge issue for people I think a lot of people that make those decisions don't realize that how you birth and your experience in that time can affect you for years to come. It can affect you for your whole life for some yeah. people. I think sometimes it's viewed in this very black and white, like, okay, but, like, she still mm-hmm. had a support person. She still yes. was able to have her baby. They're both fine. Mm-hmm. They went home, and that's mm-hmm. the bottom line. And you're you like, lived. You're okay. Yeah, Off you're you go. cool. And you're like, yeah, but what about all of the actual detail that's, mm-hmm. you know, um I think that a lot of that is only really just the last you know mm. five ten years really started to be thought about by a little bit of a wider community yeah about how important that is how that affects people yeah and, and so hopefully you know we can make it a little bit more known to yeah, people well, who make decisions about this stuff. experience <laughs> might might bring a lot of that to a head and also mm. might put the idea of low-risk home birth back on the table. Um, yeah. cause, I mean, they offer it in the UK. Like if you're low-risk, the NHS will will support you to have a birth at home and yeah. the same applies in New Zealand. So it's like, guys, can you see how mm. maybe we should have put this on the table a while ago? <laughs> um, yeah. Because now it's, um, you know... I mean, there's still people who are getting um, into a into a rough situation where, um, you know, they uh, they're going through Sunshine or Casey, and they because those are the two hospitals in Victoria that do mm-hmm. um, subsidised home birth. They'll you know they might be there, but they for whatever reason they no longer meet the low risk category, and then they can't oh. have their birth at home anyway. So, um, whereas private midwives can be a little bit more, you know, like say you've got uh, gestational diabetes but you're diet managed, they'll probably still be able to, in some circumstances, take you on, whereas um, a hospital's more likely to be like, well, no, (laughs) that's that's the end of that. So, Mm. um, but yeah, I think it's it's all of us. We're all a bit um, overwhelmed. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I think everyone's feeling a little bit out of their depth at the moment yeah. unsure of everything bit directionless like what are we yeah in? yeah um I don't know I'm trying to motivate myself now with um with working stuff which is why I started doing the um the homeschooling thing 
Mm, um, I think that's a good idea. Uh, I think it's very important to focus on the kids at the moment too, yeah. because it's even though they don't understand what's going on, they oh they totally they know tap that something's into going it. on. Oh, yeah. it's just yeah, I've never seen my kids so off the Richter a bit like the um the smaller one. She's just completely altered her personality in the last in the last fortnight in some oh, ways. Yeah. She's just so yeah, and I'm like, oh, kid, okay. So clingy. Yeah. Yeah. Very easily upset. She needs her comforter like all day, mm. which normally it was just for like sleep times, but she'll carry this snuggie around all day. Yeah. They're just um, hugely in touch with the fact that, well, but, and like, you yeah. know, you try and keep the routine as similar as yeah. possible and all the rest of it, like, they still, yeah. they're still on to, like, I don't know, you know, I've been trying really hard to, to make everything as normal as possible, particularly for teeny yeah. tiny list one. And, yeah, she's still um, cracking it, <laughs> something fierce. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, also needing a lot of clingy, attention-y time, but also just, like, she mm. won't go to bed and, um, you know, like, I don't entirely know if there's audio on the back of this recording at some point but about half an hour ago she's just yelling and yelling in the background oh so, i wondered if that was my kid or yours no no mine <laughs> so if it turns up like, is that one of my kids <laughs> no no one of mine her older sister would have slept through it which is something i think i know i can't believe that i can do that well it's almost you know easier with a bigger kid who you can explain it and talk it through with yes and um, they seem to understand a little bit yeah and that seems to lessen their anxiety i've found yeah. Whereas the younger one, she doesn't understand anything, so no. she can hear you talking and mm. hear you explaining, and she just doesn't. She's like, None of that makes what? sense to her. Yeah. She can just pick. I think to the younger they are, the more they pick up on the anxiety in your body, and they take that as oh, their totally. Wrong. Yeah. Because I, I think... found my baby is really clingy too. Yeah. Like she just wants to be held all the time. They just tap into whatever's going on. Yeah, as you said, in your body and what you kind of. Mm. Um, which I think is why, like, sometimes, you know, uh, the, the, the hardest times to parent are when you're already really stressed because you just reflect the stress and they Mm -hmm. reflect it right back and you find that more stressful (laughs) and like more like like intolerable and Mm -hmm. because they're like teeny tiny little mirrors. They're like, okay, I see what's going on with you. Here it is magnified and you're just yeah. like I can't even look at it right now ah these are the yeah. issues I'm having and it's just it takes me ages to figure that out though uh, it shouldn't but because I'm always like what is wrong with you and okay me yeah yeah that's me yeah that's me <laughs> that's me and you're just coming back me from that you. I'm really stressed <laughs> yeah that's right I think um you know it's because I've just been really stuffed as well so mm. like part of the reason that I'm like right well I'm gonna start writing this program for, for home kinder and homeschool and stuff um, is that I was like, well, I don't, um, I need to, I need it to be structured in a way mm-hmm. because half the time at the moment I'm like, I get up and I do stuff and I'm just around the joint and my body's like, what are you doing? Making a baby is hard work. And then yeah. <laughs> so I'm trying to like get everything done Um and then, you know, the kids want to do – like, I want to engage them and, and give them good stuff to do while they're so much at home. 
Mm. But at the same time, I'm just like, they'll be like, oh, can we like make Play-Doh or slime or something? I'm just like, oh. That is so much effort and mess. My kids are exactly the same. They just want to do the stuff that I'm like, do you have any idea how much effort that takes me? That's why I kind of need like. I've got that in me right now. Yeah. So I'm like, I need a plan because then I'll be like psyched up to do those things i'll be like right tomorrow i'm making slime i'm ready i'm good i have the ingredients i have the plan i know what time i'm going to do that at and then after that we can do this so it's not so horrible that's probably a good idea because most of the time i'm i have a plan the night before i'm like you know what maybe i'll do like something fun like painting or play-doh tomorrow with my kids and then the (laughs) next day comes and one of my kids will go can we play play-doh and like "Mm, not at all maybe tomorrow oh my gosh i have no intention of doing it the next day either because it's just our play-doh is a a trash site by the way because I don't care if they mix it anymore because I'm too tired to manage that situation. So they'll be like, I have like a tub with this shelf with art stuff on it. And one of the shelves Mm -hmm. has, it's got a drawer and it's got all the Play-Doh toys and all the Play-Doh in it. And they get it out Mm -hmm. and they just bring it to me and they're like, will you open this? I'm like, yep, there you go. And then it comes back later as like rainbow. And I'm like, I don't even care. You now have rainbow Play-Doh. If they all end up brown, Brown. I don't care. I don't care at this point. Earlier in, especially when I was a te- like when I was teaching, I was very specific with kids about you know how to not mix and how to be able to re-separate the colors later and stuff. I'm like, yeah, it's fine. I can you know, don't worry about this later. I'm just like yeah. I'll put some nice ones up on the shelf so that if we eventually completely run out of Play-Doh and there's no flour in the shops again. I'll just be like, oh, well, <laughs> just have just these yeah. ones. I've got a few saved away for like when um, – so that we can get them out when I feel like doing Play-Doh because mm. I can't handle the mixed colouring. As they're doing it, I'm just cringing inside and yeah. I just feel like I'm dying, Annie. I feel like I am <laughs> dying when they're mixing it together, even if it's bought stuff, even if it's like I haven't spent hours making no. it or anything like that. Yeah. I just – honestly, I can't deal with it. It's but, just yeah. too bad. Stop doing this. <laughs> Even when they're painting, though, you yeah. know, like you get the paints out and then they put them on the paper, but then my kids, like, mix them all together on the paper and it just yeah. makes this horrible, like, purpley brown colour that just looks like nothing. No. And I'm yeah. like, I hate it. <laughs> I hate it. Please don't do it. Stop doing it. One of mine tried to take the um, – the good Play-Doh outside the other day. She wanted to oh. do something, I don't know what, in the sand pit with the Play-Doh. And I was like, how nope, don't you take this note. stuff that's completely <laughs> destroyed anyway? And she was like, oh, okay. Yeah, I could sort of see that. I was like, oh, oh see, my kid would have been like, oh, I don't want that one. It's yucky. I'm like, you made it yucky. <laughs> Deal with it. You did that. <laughs> <laughs> I said to her, you don't mix them. And if you mix them, that's how they stay. But she was like, oh. Well, today I feel like mixing. I was like, good. Yeah. It's destroyed yeah. now, though, so just be aware of that. Anyway, we're talking about Play-Doh, but I just think it's – um. I feel like it's a very relatable topic to parents, Yes, though. I think so. It's one of those things that you have planned out in your head, like, this is going to be mm. so nice. We'll play Play-Doh and we'll, like, make cute right. little things, and they just smush it all together and mm. throw it on the floor and then put crumbs all over the top of it. Well, it's been impossible <laughs> to buy any new craft stuff anyway. We bought all mm. the dregs. Um when James went to Kmart, you know, braved Kmart, um, oh, because I, was I tried to, to go before this, and I, then I just didn't. I tried to buy stuff online, 
that was my plan. I, don't know what, they I had, had like hundreds of crayons and pencils for my yeah. kids and now I've got like three. Yes, <laughs> I've been there they? before too. Where are they? They're gone. Where are they? <laughs> I, yeah, I had that as well and I just chuck texters now. I'm like, oh, this has no Me lid. too. I find a half-broken crayon yeah. that's, like, you know, like a little nubby bit that they're not going to actually use or yeah. a texter without a lid. If that texter has a lid it, and it's not on it, it's going in the bin. Yeah, that's right. No lid is right. bin time. Too bad. Sorry. We're eventually only going to have crayons and pencils at my house because the texters are slowly, slowly dwindling because they all go in the bin. Um, yep. And I'm like, Stamps without a lid, straight in the bin. But you know what? When they're, not when they're at anymore. daycare, they put the lids on. So I don't understand this system, but um, but uh, yeah, no, I um, uh, yeah, I think I'm it's... brutal. I'm even chucking out some toys. Yeah, fair Those enough. Crappy little plastic toys that they don't put away, and you go put this away, put this away, put this away, and then you stand on it for like the fourth time. Oh, no. <laughs> it's usually like a McDonald's now. toy. I feel like it's yep. always like something like I that. Stand on it, it goes in the bin. <laughs> yep, that's it. Goodbye. Yeah, well they don't notice. They don't. They don't okay. notice, and I've, I've had enough. Yep. I have had enough. <laughs> they have broken me. It's only been a couple of years, Annie, but I am broken. <laughs> and now my we're all forced indoors like... with them all the time. I've yeah. always been indoors with my kids. It feels really hard because this is my life normally. I'm a massive introvert. So mm. I occasionally come to mother's group on a Friday and I see my mum on a Thursday because she comes here. But mm. I don't normally go out very much other than that. Wow. <laughs> and so I feel like this is my normal life. But now I don't have my mum to come and visit, which is yeah. sad. Yeah. But everybody else's life is different. Everyone's talking about, oh, I've got so much free time. I don't want to be stuck indoors. And I'm like, I'd give anything to be stuck indoors by myself. <laughs> I just feel like, uh, My children you know... will not stop talking, okay? <laughs> they will not stop talking and touching me and coughing on my food and stealing the food that they haven't coughed on. <laughs> Do you know, it's true. I don't know what it would be like to be not a parent and be in like self-isolation you know what I mean like it sounds kind of glorious it does I don't know what I don't know what you would people like I'm just napping and then eating heaps I'm like that sounds like my ideal life I do not want to speak to you person (laughs) I definitely would have coped then but now it's like I just feel like I'm constantly on uh entertainment or or work duties you know Mm -hmm. and I'm just like there's no um like really in the past like I'd be like okay I mean there was kinder and things to break up which we don't have anymore um but also you know like on the holidays on kinder holidays and things where I have like them all at home da 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 I'd be like okay but then we'll go we'll go somewhere. We go to the pool and we all have a swim and it's so much fun and um, they're so happy and I feel happy afterward and I feel like I've done, like, that's, well, actually, even that one's really painful with um, being pregnant. I was like, I took up swimming for this and I feel really great and now I'm like, (laughs) again. Um, And I think it's just, it's just having the option to be like, we've been indoors too long. Let's just go to the park or, yeah, um, or whatever, you know, and like, I, I understand all of it's like worth it. Like it's not, you know what I mean? Like we all understand it's worth it, which is why we're doing yeah, it. Yeah, we've got to do it. But, yeah. Uh, but it's okay, just but... like, so <laughs> yeah, at the same time. So yeah. And little people when they're bored, cause they can't go out and see their friends are just always hungry. 
Yes. My children are starving, apparently, Annie. Starving. And <laughs> their tummies are so rumbly. So rumbly. <laughs> my tummy is so rumbly. Oh, oh, and my two-year-old knows how to get into the top part of the They'll cupboard. They'll say that even <laughs> if they've got food in their hand. Yes. She'll come yeah. up to me with something in her hand. I'm so hungry. My tummy's so rumbly. So eat the thing that like, you're holding. I was like, I doubt that. <laughs> Find something to do. I mean, I know yeah. it's supposed to be developmentally extremely good for them to be bored and to have to develop their own play. Um, uh, it's painful for another But it is like uh, only because they're like they, – I don't mind. I actually, it has been kind of – that's one nice thing is they've played really a lot together. That mm. I mean, they have an argument every other, you know, hour. But yes. at the moment I'm sort of just letting them – unless there's someone getting horribly injured, I'm like – just gonna let you guys kind of have this one out you know yeah that's what I've been doing it's actually working heaps it works really well and all of that because they play a bit better together afterwards yeah so I'll step in if someone's getting hurt but otherwise yeah or if they're really upset or something but you gotta sort this out for yourself (laughs) and they generally they generally do and it's very Mm -hmm. good but I just um I think the bit that has me a bit loopy is like when um, oh, especially in the morning, all I want to mm. do is eat a piece of toast. But they want oh, yeah, me I just to want to like... eat my toast in peace and drink my coffee. <laughs> oh, totally. <laughs> and like, I know it's usually like that, right? But usually, I'm also then going to take them to kinder, or mm-hmm. um, you know, so I'll sort it out later. Or like, I've got to work and I work it in anyway, or what? Or like, but now it's just it's a constant every day in the morning. I'm trying to eat but feed them, but keep the house from, like, exploding. <laughs> I just, I'm like, failing at that. Oh, no. It's, yeah. <laughs> My house is trashed. <laughs> oh, do you know what? The room that the kids play in is, like, the neatest and tidiest in my house because I spend all of my time making it not explode. But then I literally will go in there for some nice quiet time when the kids aren't oh, using it. I'm like, I'm just going to go and sit in here. And listen to ABC Kids Listen because it's on in here all the time. And that's I love all ABC Kids do. Listen. My kids don't love it that much. Like the baby loves ah, it. Yeah. But my toddler, she always wants to watch a show. Let's watch a show. Ah, right. Which means a movie, but. Yeah, yeah. No, oh. no, I love ABC Kids Listen. Yeah, it's the best. I'm just sitting in there being like, oh. And at 12.30 they have like a meditation. It's really nice. Oh, do they? It's like, oh, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. They play a lot of the old ABC Kids yeah. songs, yeah. which I quite like. I'm like, Me I too. know this one. I know, I had the George album as a kid and they play a lot of that. That's good. But, um, yes, I just, you know, I'll just chill out in there for a while and then I come out into the main room where there's five baskets of laundry still waiting. Oh, that sounds awful. I'm just like, oh. Some of it's folded, some of it. (laughs) But then by the time I I fold it, there's another load, especially because the – the smaller of my children's decided to wet herself way more often than ever before oh. this week, and so every time Mom's I not think even toilet training done. now. No, oh, there you go. She it's started. A, she, was, she started, and then she did a poo in the potty, and she was so horrified. Right? <laughs> she was like, Yuck! so affronted. Yuck! <laughs> that now she just won't like. She'll like, do no. a wee on the potty if you force her. You're like, yeah. no, you're doing a wee. You sit her down. She'll do a little wee, and then off she goes. Yeah. But. She tried to do a poo the other day. You could see she was trying to poo. And you're like, why don't you go down the potty? She's like, oh, no, yuck. I'm like, I okay. can't even. 
So basically, uh, I'm going to be changing nappies till she's like 50. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. I just, part of me is like, if it were normal times, I might um, go back to nappy pants um, occasionally in the day. Though. But that's right. I'm like, I don't. And the thing is, like, that, not that option. I have I have reusable nappies, mm. but I don't want to put them on her because she can't get them off. I have to wear, you know, she needs the stretchy mm. pants kind of ones, which she mm. has one of a day at nap time. And then, um, you know, and uh, but I'm like, well, I, I don't want to take the undies off you because at least I can wash those. Yeah, it's such a hard decision. Like when we couldn't get nappies at the start of this, like a couple of weeks ago, yeah. we couldn't get any nappies. So I've got the baby and reusables. And um, I was like, you know what? This is a good chance to like yeah. toilet train my toddler. And um, But now it's like, nah. <laughs> well, I put her in undies. I put her in undies. She'd done wee on the potty. I'm like, brilliant. Pop her in undies. And I said to her at the time, like, now, Isabella, if you need to do boobies, you've got to go on the potty. And she looks at me and she goes, no. No. Okay. Okay. Well, we'll just see how this goes. (laughs) We took her outside. She did this huge wee, the biggest wee ever, through like her whole pants. (laughs) And I said to her, I'm like, Isabella, did you do a wee? And she's like, "Uh, yeah. I did. Here, where I'm standing. (laughs) And I'm good with it. Yeah, she was fine. She just went down the slide again. I was like, okay. (laughs) So we're not toilet training then. Yes, we'll be hosing that off and moving on with our lives. Yeah. I I just (laughs) forget that idea. Oh, yeah. No, we're just persevering at the moment, <laughs> but she's she is coming around to Could it I again. Mean. But it's just I like, commend that. Well, That's it is, effort. but it's like it's just a part of it's just a resource thing. I'm like, I don't have enough nappy pants yeah. to make this work, and mm-hmm. even though it does mean I have to do more and more and more laundry, which I never get through. Laundry's the worst. I'm so bad at it because in other parts, I'm like, right, I've organised this now. I'm going to leave it as it is. And it does. Most of the time that stuff stays where I left it. But laundry yeah. never does that. It's far too much of a rotating schedule. And um, I'm one of all the other. Yeah, I'm no. either like really on top of it and mm. I've done all the laundry or it's a complete disaster. And we have like so many clothes, way too many clothes than anybody would ever need. But all of them mm. are in the wash. Yep. Yeah. I had to go commando the other night to bed underneath my shorts, which I never do because I've run out of undies. I don't even know where they are. (laughs) (laughs) Just like, we'll just move on. Yeah, I start wearing like... um, Like, um, I literally couldn't find any. Not even like, you know, you normally have like an old skanky pair in the back that you're like, I don't want to wear those. Those are gross. Yeah, yeah. I'd run out of those too. (laughs) (laughs) Like, I've already been through them all. And the thing is, because once you've done all the kids, all the kids washing, you're like, oh... Was I supposed to worry about my own? I know. I do um, this first because it's yeah. really painful trying to find clothes for them if there's yeah. no clean clothes. So I'm like, and what are you going to yeah, do? Let's wash the kids' clothes. And now I've got no undies. I have nothing <laughs> left. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I have a big My husband basket. was pretty chuffed about it. He was like, oh, you should run out of undies more often. <laughs> yes, I was going to ask you that. Yeah. going to be like, well, I was like, I know. like this. I'm like, no, it's uncomfortable. I want undies. I want underwear. Yeah. Okay. It was so much. I couldn't find any today either. So I said to him when he got in from my, I'm like, have you taken my underwear? Like, what's the deal? <laughs> I could start it? wearing yours if and, you do this. Yeah. He was like, I haven't, but that's probably a good idea. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So I may have just made my situation skin. much worse. <laughs> <laughs> By encouraging your husband. That's always By worse. giving him ideas. Yeah. That's, that's the same <laughs> as far as I'm concerned. Oh. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it's the thing too, though, like 
uh, I keep seeing everybody on um, on different groups and things talking about how they're because they're all at home. And they're working from home and blah, blah, blah. Um, they're, you know, having reconnection in their relationship and spending time on it and all that sort of oh, stuff. Isn't that wonderful? And I'm like, that's lovely and glorious and I'm not achieving that. And I, you know, one oh, day. Are you? Well, I mean, we like each other, but uh, he's doing so much. Like he's so over. Yeah, he's busy. Overworked. He's more working more now than probably ever before, but just in a really different capacity. And mm. then... I'm trying to work and study and raise the kids and not have gaps in the schedule as much anymore. So it's just a bit of a, like, I feel like it's an excuse almost, but it's like, hmm. I think things things changed for everybody though. Do you know what I mean? Like, Mm. like I said before, like my life's still pretty much the same. I'm still going out for work and I'm still at home with the kids full time. Mm. So I think that even though there's a lot of talk about, um, you know, people at home in isolation have got all this free time. They're reconnecting. Things aren't like that for everybody. No, I'm. I'm. And maybe sort of, it's just not for you guys. I was going to say, I'm hoping it will be in you know another month. Oh, there's your train going past your house. Now we all know yes. that you live near a train. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I, yeah, I um, I think it it will be a thing eventually. But at the moment, it's like, well, you know, there's just not enough hours. In, in the week um, mm. while everything's kicking off so much at the moment. But, you know, give it time. When we're all locked in for six months, I'm sure at some point we all have to start spending time together again. Yeah. Um, mind you, I'm not saying it's all, you know, um, doom and gloom in that department because, you know, the kids enjoy seeing a bit more of their dad and stuff at the moment too. So oh, yeah, for sure. Nice. Um, yeah. But then it'd be interesting to see what what classes is continuing to be um, essential, essential as well. Mm. So, and, and, you know, what that allows people to do. Because my mm. husband's going to start working from home pretty much every day, but... You've got one that might still be out until they decide he's not there anymore. I mean, yes, it's it's hard to know. I mean, I certainly wouldn't classify that as essential, but other people do, I guess. Yeah. Um. So yeah. I guess it's we'll wait and see. He's yeah. quite keen to come home, though. You know, like hmm. to be yeah. at home and make sure he doesn't get sick. Well, yes. That's the thing, really, isn't it? It's not even just about like, oh, well, wouldn't it be lovely to be home all the time? Well, if you can work from home, that's great. If you mm. can't, then it's harder. But it's like, but I also don't want to get sick. <laughs> um, yeah, it's like yeah. what people are saying is that you're not really stuck at home. You're safe at home. And I guess mm. the people who are still working feel like, a lot of us feel like we would much rather be safe at home mm. than stuck at work Yeah, where it's not so safe. It's true. I hadn't, I mean, I it occurred to me, um, a little while ago that I decided not to go back to teaching at the start of mm. this year um, in terms of um, not go back to the to my ongoing job, um, even though I could have. And then and part of it was because we were going to have another baby and it just wasn't, you know, the right time um, mm. because of that. Um, but it's just now I'm like, oh, well, the circumstances had been different. 
I might have still been there, you know, mm. and working until, um, you know, whatever it was, two weeks ago when they started telling teachers not to not to come in anymore. Mm. Um, and, yeah, you just sort of think, oh, well, you don't have much option then. You just have to hope none of the kids in your class are sick. Uh, yeah. Or, yeah, because they won't know. Is the other thing. No, of course not. No. Um, and a lot of a lot of the kids I taught probably would have been overseas. So um, yes, no, I think some it. schools have quite a high population of mm. families that travel or have family overseas. Yeah, so hmm, it's mm. interesting. I think um, the next few weeks are going to be quite telling. That's basically mm. it. I don't know if everything's going to be the same. Um. But anyway, I suppose we've been talking for an hour and 20 minutes. So we yes, should. That's probably too long. Wrapping yes. up. Yeah. And we're just sort of. Um, this was I'm a fairly. I've got a battery too. I've got like okay. 4% battery. Well, there you go. <laughs> we'll definitely start wrapping up. But I was going to say, it's, you know, I think it's been a fairly haphazard episode just because. Yes. I mean, we're so kind of that in life anyway at the moment I feel mm. like it sort of had to have no agenda <laughs> mm. yeah um but I'm glad we finally got a uh Skype podcast isolation podcast yes. together yeah. and hopefully our next one is a little bit more structured and a bit bright and shiny compared to <laughs> yeah. this yeah I don't know we'll see we might be talking about something else in context of this I don't know but mm. Mm. everything's different so we're just going with different I guess yeah yeah why not why not all right well uh yeah any last thoughts thanks. yeah no just no. thanks for listening everybody. yeah yeah stay healthy you know stay healthy and safe. stay home if you can stay home if you can yeah definitely Mm. Stop smoking if you can. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or check your blood sugar if yes. you're supposed to. <laughs> and if you're not pregnant, have a glass of wine yeah, for my nice. sake. <laughs> this is what I would love to be doing. <laughs> okay. So we'll okay. speak soon. Okay. Bye. Bye.